Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee. I hope you're doing well today. And if you're new here, every Saturday, we break down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee. That being said, in today's episode, I'm talking about some of the most interesting altcoin projects outside of the top 100 market cap coins that you hear about all the time. So make sure you stick around till the end of the video to hear about all of them. Now, as always, let's kick it off with questions from you, the awesome folks who support Crypto Over Coffee. So if you want one of your own questions answered, make sure you leave them in the comments below of the YouTube video. Tweet me at Hishoshi4. And if you would be so inclined, please do subscribe to the channel and hit the bell notification button or follow the podcast on your platform of choice so that you can get a heads up on whenever I post new episodes of Crypto Over Coffee across those different platforms. And finally, if you are a Cardano ADA holder, please do consider delegating to my stake pool with the ticker symbol H4SH. So a big thank you for that in advance. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the very first question. And this is from Crypto Domain Sale. Uh, my question is, what relationship is there between hash rate and cryptocurrency price. So this is an interesting one. And I think this is mostly referring to, of course, proof of work cryptocurrencies where hash rate uh, is derivative of sort of the, the total number of miners, how much compute power is being pushed through the network, and of course, working to solve those cryptographic puzzles or solve for proof of work. Now, hash rate has a relationship to price in a very tangential way. So the as hash rate rises, so does generally the difficulty in proof of work protocols like Bitcoin. As that difficulty rises, miners have to put in more effort relative to the rest of the network to maintain their share of the hash rate and subsequently mine a block. And when they mine a block, they get rewarded. So that affects the profit and loss margin. So the profit margin for a given uh, miner in the Bitcoin network. And so it does have an impact on price because when you are going through and you are you're hashing and you're spending all of this money, you're spending these resources, you're consuming electricity in order to, to mine a block to get rewarded, you of course are going to be more likely to sell Bitcoin in, in order to cover costs, the more costs you are going to have. So hash rate has a relationship there. But also, hash rate does play into the security of the network, which is a positive thing. Hash rate also plays into um, sort of pushing more and more and more and more uh, attention towards the cryptocurrency world and towards Bitcoin, particularly, which is not a design thing. That's just something that happens as hash rate hits new milestones, news outlets start talking about it, what have you. So there are both positive and negative potential implications to hash rate. But in a general sense, hash rate does not unilaterally dictate price it's a very indirect uh an indirect metric that that affects price and it's really based off of miners activity in terms of how they're they're you know buying or selling or holding uh bitcoin so hopefully that answers your question let's move on to the second one second question is from karen uh borquez i really hope that i pronounced that correctly uh i'm already using leaden thank you for doing that but I would like to know your opinion between BlockFi and Celsius. Which one do you prefer? So for those of you who don't know, Ledin is a sponsor of Crypto Over Coffee. I love their service. If you want to earn yield on USDC and Bitcoin, please do check out Ledin. Link is in the description below. Big thank you to Ledin for sponsoring the show. Between BlockFi and Celsius, and I actually do use uh, multiple of these different platforms. Like I kind of like to spread it out. So I actually very often use Celsius as well. So between BlockFi and Celsius, I do prefer Celsius over BlockFi. There are a couple of reasons for that. Some of the, the consistent reductions in reward rates for BlockFi, like I understand why they're doing it, right? Market conditions, profit margins, investment, all these things drive their decisions to 
try and make more profit and and balance their business better against potential risk. So I totally understand that, but they just keep reducing reward rates. And for me, if I'm going to take the risk of putting my crypto in a custody environment, like you have to with these services, I want to earn the maximum amount of rewards possible. And in this case, the yields just weren't enough for me. So I use Ledin and I use Celsius. I also think Celsius has provided me all the different tools that I want to have for security. It has the most friction of any service I've ever used to log in, to actually use the service and actually move my crypto assets and and, if, and do things with it. People think, oh, it's a bad thing. It's not a, a bad thing. It's the best possible thing. Whenever I go through and I log into Celsius, I feel great about the security that, that's there in order to protect me and my assets. Uh, and, and subsequently, I think that Celsius has done a good job of balancing market conditions against continuing to pay good competitive rewards rates. Uh, so I like Celsius a lot. Between the two, I'd have to pick Celsius. I don't hate BlockFi. I actually still, I think, have a BlockFi account and still use it in some semblance, but I prefer Celsius over BlockFi. Thank you for your question. And finally, last question of the day is from Bad Carol. I've been confused by the talk about bulls and bears because obviously crypto is not simply made up of two separate camps who want to see crypto go up or down. Doesn't make any sense. What would you say bulls and bears actually are and how do these two how are these two images helpful to our understanding of the markets? So you are totally correct in that there aren't just two separate groups of people who want crypto to go up versus go down. Those are the polar opposites. People, human beings tend to think in black and white. So you've got people who hate crypto and want it to go down and who think it's going down and people who are really bullish who think it's always going to go up and everything is hope and passion and excitement for the future of crypto. There are those extremes. There are those extremes, but in between is most of the population of people who are really focused on, you know, what's good for for me in, in terms of investing. How can I protect myself? How can I um, maximize my rewards and minimize my risk? How can I take calculated risk to make money? And how can I look at this market in a, in a sort of um, objective way? in order to make money. I mean, that's a lot of what people wanna do, but also to invest in the future. This technology has a lot of positive impact. So the way that I would look at it is that bullishness and bearishness is is more like a, an average, right? You can look at the overall sentiment of the market as bearish during times where there's a lot of fear of regulation, lots of fears about the grayscale GBTC shares uh, unlocking, all sorts of things like that. And so, you also have on the other side this mass euphoria when things are bullish and prices are going up. So it's a sort of a way to generalize how the market conditions are rather than there being two populations of people who are either all in or all out. It's really more so just a generalization of a, a, um, a sort of personification of a market sentiment. Uh, so therefore, don't, don't read too much into the bulls and the bears, more so thinking about what the overall market sentiment is and how your own outlook on the markets plays into that and how you can you know, take advantage of your understanding of the markets and the conditions therein. So thank you so much for your questions. Let's move on now to the news section of the show. We've got a very special episode today, and I will explain that here in just a second. But before we do that, though, just a friendly reminder, please be aware of scammers that are in the comments posing as me and other crypto YouTubers. I do not have a WhatsApp. I will not ask you to contact me, particularly via phone. I actually don't like people reaching out to me via phone. If the comment does not have the name highlighted like you see here on the screen, it isn't me and you can report them. So please be safe out there, folks. 
In partnership also every week with the folks at Keystone, I give away a Keystone tablet steel seed for a backup device in every single episode by picking a random comment from the video. And I also give away one Keystone hardware wallet per month. And just for transparency, the product is only available in select regions. So if you win and you are from an unsupported region, I will just send you some Bitcoin instead. So the winner of last week's giveaway for the Keystone is here on the screen via random draw. Big congratulations to you. And of course, I will be in touch. Now, folks, today I want to keep this crypto market update very brief because this is a special episode centered around altcoins. More on that in just a second. But we have finally managed to hold a week of green in the crypto markets with Bitcoin back above 40,000 and Ether nearing 2,500. Who knows what recent regulatory news is going to do to prices? We shall see. And altcoins, though, for the most part, are following suit with singular double digit gains this week as well. Why is this? Well, I think, first of all, the fear around the GBTC shares unlock from Grayscale Capital that was talked about all throughout July turned out not to be the total calamity that many had made it out to be. And I also think that institutions and retail alike felt better about buying after that to break the selling trend. It was sort of fear was lifted. There were also some significant periods of time for accumulation over the last couple months at low prices, which tend to lead towards a run up after the fact people buying in people holding and then we're off. But let's just see how well this holds. And if the next wave of selling pressure that will inevitably come sends us back towards previous support in the low 30Ks for Bitcoin, or if we hold strong at the $40,000 mark. It's going to be interesting to watch, but I want to know what you think we're going to see in the coming week. More bullishness or a turn back towards old support? Let me know in the comments below. All right, folks, now I mentioned that today's episode is a special one because it centers around altcoins, specifically altcoins that are not the usual top 100 cryptocurrencies that you see all the time. On Twitter, a viewer of the show challenged me to make a show with these requirements. I'm going to read them to you right here. The requirements of this show are as follows. Make a Crypto Over Coffee episode only mentioning Bitcoin and Ether as you announce their price, and then after that, talk about only alts. The rules, you cannot mention top 100 coins. Challenge accepted. So given this challenge, let's dive into some sub top 100 altcoins that are interesting and learn more about them. I think I'm gonna split this up into categories. It'll make it easier to understand where they kind of fit in. The goal here though, is not for people to FOMO in and buy these, but instead to use this as a chance to hear about a project they've never heard of and maybe dig deep and figure out if it's something that you yourself would be interested in. So this is not a get rich quick or an investment thing, it's a learning thing. First off, let's talk about NFT projects. There are two NFT projects that are outside the top 100 that I think have huge potential and solve for distinct challenges in the space. These are not the only ones, but these were the first that came to mind. The first of those projects is Terra Virtua, which ranks in the 300s in the crypto market cap charts. And Terra Virtua is special in the sense that it's a project that's innovating on what is arguably the most under-addressed component of NFTs, and that is the user experience and interaction with the NFT itself. Terra Virtua offers a platform to issue, interact with, and exchange NFT assets, which are often 3D licensed characters or moments or objects from popular media like Godzilla, King Kong, Pacific Rim, and more. Of course, the traditional digital art still makes up a solid proportion of the content as well, with artists often featured prominently on the main Terra Virtua page. Of course, the often discussed issue of high fees to mint and exchange assets is also addressed in their platform, but the most important part is in their three-pronged approach 
to user experience in interacting with your NFTs to display them. There are two desktop apps and one mobile app that can be used to actually see your NFTs in action and experience them in an immersive way. There's the Art Gallery and Fan Cave slash Terra Dome desktop applications that let you display and share your digital art, 3D characters, and models in a customizable way. And those 3D characters in the Terra Dome will scale to this immense size in virtual reality. So you really feel the scale and that you own something unique that would go in a museum. Well, a digital museum, of course. The mobile app, on the other hand, is a wallet enabled with augmented reality so that you can view your entire portfolio in one place and toss the assets up in your room as an augmented reality experience. Terra Virtua is working really hard to keep building this platform and it's in the early stages, but it is super impressive so far. By the way, coffee tonic today. Now, you might call this one cheating because you can't buy this one yet, but the interoperability blockchain project dedicated to bringing cost-effective, secure, and widely interoperable NFTs called Efinity is one that I am arguably the most excited about right now going into next year. One of the big selling points for NFTs has always been to give you this ubiquitous access and ownership to digital assets anywhere that you go. But right now, that experience is extremely fragmented due to the isolated nature of blockchains on which NFTs are created. Of course, you do have the ability to move from a layer two to a layer one using a bridge, but that's not really interoperability. For NFTs to truly become the evolution of digital content ownership like it is poised to be, there needs to be a way for NFTs to be minted on one blockchain and then freely, securely, and atomically transferred to another blockchain back again and all around. This way, an NFT that I have can be used as collateral for a DeFi loan on another blockchain. Then I can withdraw that NFT again after paying back the loan and move it back to the network where it belongs so I can use it in a game. You get the idea. By the way, <laughs> atomically, that's a word I use all the time, basically means that if I move my NFT from one chain to the other, it must be created on the destination chain and subsequently burned or locked on the origin chain, or nothing happens. To be an atomic transaction, both operations must occur for the transaction to work. That is atomicity. Efinity is going to deliver on this vision, and I believe that they've chosen the right technology in their white paper to do it. Now, because of the rules of the challenge, I'm not allowed to mention the top 100 project as part of the challenge, so just know that they are using a certain interoperability project that exudes this Im imagery of a series of dots. That's all I'm going to say. You probably know what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not going to go too deep on this last one, but consider it a bonus. I've been looking at DAO-driven or Decentralized Autonomous Organization-driven NFT marketplaces and platforms, and one that is really impressive to me so far in my cursory research is called Wilder. It has all sorts of cool features like fractional ownership, ready to go, and it seems to be a platform that really takes into account the ideal experience for both artists and collectors. So take a look and see what you think, and shout out to CryptoLark for pointing this one out. I took a look after hearing him mention it on his channel. All right, we're gonna move into the world of interoperability because, well, you know me, I think interoperability is the most important component in the world of blockchain for the next several years, and it will be one of the big ones to push us to mass adoption. The very first project in that list that I wanna mention is one of the only ones on here, actually, probably that you've heard me talk about before more than once. And it's one that sits right outside the top 100 right now. And that project is Icon. From the very beginning of this project, it has sought to create a deeply interconnected network of blockchains that would appeal to enterprises and general user populations alike. Now, over the coming months, probably the next two or three months, 
Icon is rounding up development and migration efforts on its 2.0 version of its blockchain, which will bring wholesale improvements to the smart contract execution environment, the core transactional components, and much more. It's a general re-architecture of everything, and it's all around a better network. But the more notable side of this is the development and adoption of the Blockchain Transmission Protocol, or BTP for short, which is a general purpose communication protocol that lets heterogeneous blockchain networks, so different blockchain networks that are composed differently, communicate with each other through relayers to the ICON network. So the ICON almost becomes this hub where communication can occur, but of course BTP can be used elsewhere as well. This will enable ICON's blockchain to openly communicate and exchange transactionally with other blockchain networks that integrate using BTP. So I'm really excited to see what ICON 2.0 plus BTP has to offer in the next year or two. I think it's going to be really exciting. And I do want to mention one other project in the Asia region that is also tackling interoperability in an interesting way. And I've been researching for a little while now, and that is Cardia Chain. Folks in the Western regions might not have even really seen it or looked into it much or heard about it much, but Cardia Chain leverages a sharded blockchain network architecture. Sharding, not shart. Get your head out of the gutter. In which networks like this, shards really are referring to dual node clients that effectively sync Cardia Chain's ledger with ledgers from external blockchains and it preserves the cryptographic proofs during consensus from those external chains. Cardia Chain has already integrated blockchains in this way and has developed a mechanism for cross-chain smart contracts using their markup language KSML. Cardia Chain has also started to incubate projects on top of their network, like the really, really popular NFT project MyDefi Pet, which is a play-to-earn NFT game that sits on the interoperability network Cardia Chain across a top 100 project that I also can't mention that starts with a B. So you probably know what that one is. Cardia Chain is also working to continue to incubate a series of DeFi projects to serve as the foundation of a composable DeFi ecosystem on the network. So it's an interesting one with an interesting dual node mechanism that I'm continuously researching. All right, but actually we just talked about DeFi, so let's jump over there now. Uh, and there's so many that I can mention here in the DeFi world that are interesting to me, but I'll just mention two, maybe three that are top of mind for me these days. The first one is Osmosis, which is a zone on a popular interoperability project that I also love, but is also in the top 100 and I can't mention it due to the rules of the challenge yet again. So just a hint for what this is, it shares a name with the best science show of all time and it was once hosted by Carl Sagan and more recently by Neil deGrasse Tyson. So now you probably know what network it's on. Anyway, Osmosis is a cross-chain automated moneymaker platform, or AMM, that leverages the liquidity pool mechanism you might be familiar with on other DEX platforms on other blockchains. From my perspective, this is one of the most well-designed user experiences and implementations of a cross-chain DEX that I have seen. It offers the ability to exchange cryptocurrency in pairs across different blockchains, but it also provides liquidity providers ample rewards for participating in the key liquidity mechanism for the protocol. I mean, building a constant product liquidity pool protocol is already somewhat challenging in and of itself, but then you add the fact that many pairs of assets live on completely different and sovereign blockchains altogether, you have even more complexity. However, so far, even at its early stages with lots of work yet to do, Osmosis's core product, that's really hard to say by the way, uh, works really well with the Kepler wallet in, in this ecosystem and has been already a success in my book. So I'm excited to see what is to come for this. The other project that is also on the same overall interoperability ecosystem or network that Osmosis is on is another DeFi powerhouse that is called Secret Network. 
Its privacy by default network is built with all sorts of features that make it a unique platform to build market makers, lending, and more on top of. Most recently, Secret Network launched SEFI or CFI, a secret voting application on top of the network so that those voting and governance proposals can do so privately without feeling influenced by their vote being public. This is a critical part of governance because otherwise people feel swayed by judgment of their public vote if it's not in line with the majority. Now, if you followed Secret Network's Twitter at all, they have some pretty awesome DeFi announcements coming in the next week or so, which will double down on some of the already amazing work that's been done with Secret Swap, a privacy preserving swap protocol on secret network so all the pieces are there i'm really interested to see how things develop in, in the secret world but DeFi is not the only thing it can do mind you now Another DeFi-related project that I've been diving deep into the rabbit hole on is called Bumper, which provides effectively volatility insurance or protection for crypto holders and users, shielding you from downward volatility whilst preserving your ability to catch upswings in price. By the way, total full disclosure, full transparency, I was able to purchase a small allocation in their private sale, which I only did because I was compelled by their solutions and ideas. I'm not telling you to go buy it. I actually don't mind if you don't buy it or you're not interested in it. Just go research and see what you think. Again, it's not about buying crypto. So I think this could be a part of future DeFi ecosystems where users with exposure to highly volatile early stage cryptocurrencies can pay a premium to lock in a price floor that protects them from losses beyond that floor. And liquidity providers who provide the stablecoin assets to cover users uh, that pay those premiums for price floor protection can earn rewards for doing so. So those liquidity providers would get paid out proportions of the premiums that are paid by those looking for protection. So it's almost like an insurance ecosystem. So I can see this being like a, an insurance policy for DeFi users that are dabbling in high risk, high yield projects, especially ones that are risky, kind of rug pulley things. Now, this last section is what I'd call miscellaneous projects, so ones that don't fit squarely into a category. So here goes. Another project that sits near number 200 on the cap charts, but has already achieved quite a bit, is Unibright. And Unibrite is a project that's seeking to provide a highly abstracted set of tools and platforms for enterprises, ones like huge ones like Coca-Cola, to adopt blockchain technology and to do so in a way that gives them both the benefits of a public blockchain, whilst also allowing them to hold some data and transactions privately. Unibright's collaboration with Provide to create Base Ledger, an entire ecosystem and tool set tailored towards enterprise, is a huge step in the right direction to bring these massive organizations on board to the world of blockchain and then bridge them into the world of DeFi and other more decentralized elements of the, of the world. So there are already significant partnerships, which I won't list here for brevity. I'm sure you can find plenty of those on Twitter if you're in the Unibright space, but it's a project that I remain a fan of and I think that still is extremely underrated in my opinion. And finally, this is another project that for full transparency, I've purchased a small allocation of tokens for in the private sale. But again, I buy things that I think have a chance to do well. So do not feel any pressure to do the same. That's not the point. Again, research. The project is called Zeitgeist, and it's building in a space that I was really into several years ago with projects like Augur, and that is prediction markets. Essentially, you have an ecosystem where an entity, an aggregator, can pose a question or a hypothesis, and others can buy shares in a new prediction market around that sort of hypothesis and pose their prediction or belief on that given question. What is that variable going to be equal to? Then an oracle provides the definitive result, and those with the correct prediction in that market get rewarded proportionate to their shares. So you buy more shares, the more confident you are in your prediction in that market, and of course you would get rewarded more if you are correct. 
Think of an example like predicting the price of a cryptocurrency on a given time and date. And for disputes over Oracle's correctness, there is also a built-in protocol for resolving disputes in a sort of decentralized governance court or tribunal, which is really pretty fascinating stuff. I think there's a lot of forward-thinking elements of this Prediction Markets project, and I really like that this space. It's a cool idea, so I'm watching this one going forward. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. Speaking of attention, if you want to help this episode of Crypto Over Coffee get some attention from the algorithm robots, please do hit the like button, get subscribed on the channel, or follow the podcast because it tells those robots that you like what you're listening to, you like what you're watching, and others might enjoy it as well. So thank you for that in advance. You didn't think I'd do an episode of Crypto Over Coffee without 404, did you? Anyways, today's illogical cereal box prize in this wonderful and terrible cryptocurrency takedown op-ed piece from The Hill is none other than something titled, Bye Bye Bitcoin, It's Time to Ban Cryptocurrencies. I mean... This article basically asserts the same exhausted and fallacy-ridden talking points about crypto, that it's basically worthless to everyone but criminals, and banking officials say that cryptocurrencies aren't a means of exchange or value preservation, and they're bad. So, we get it. I mean, you know this, but asking a set of banking officials if they like cryptocurrency is like asking an Italian if they like pineapple pizza. You already know the answer that you're going to get, and it surely doesn't support your reasoning that pineapple pizza is bad. I mean, I could go on for an hour about each talking point in this article and how it's so woefully illogical and biased and flat-out farcical, but... Instead, I'd like to illustrate the most illogical part, which is that the writer seems to admit their lack of understanding of the entire space and then proceeds to denounce it. And I quote, I've never understood why cryptocurrencies are worth anything. That's the very first statement in the entire piece. And while I know that the purpose of this is to illustrate, hey, I don't think that the cryptocurrency is worth anything, I personally believe that the first step in an argument for or against something is understanding that thing. To say that in the first line is not only something that doesn't make a lot of sense, it just invalidates any semblance of authority that the author might have on this subject as an impartial person, right? I can cherry pick a dozen reasons why fiat currency is flawed. But here's the difference. I can also note areas where fiat currency provides value and merit despite its many flaws. Same for the internet. Same for home ownership. Same for everything. Everything you can think of is the sum of its positive and negative aspects, which you have to understand fully before making such bold assertions about its merit. You cannot reasonably hate that which you do not understand, not without a distinct 404, logic not found. In this case, folks, people are free to hate cryptocurrency, free to think that it's pure evil, free to do all these things, but at least, at least try and balance your extreme negativity, your assertions, even in an op-ed, even in an opinion piece, with counterpoints so people can actually understand the opposing viewpoints. Don't just leave it out and pitch things as fact. To me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But anyways... Make sure you are subscribed because the next episode of the official standalone 404 Logic Not Found series, which the first episode actually posted last Wednesday or this past Wednesday, is coming a week from this coming Wednesday. I've made this whole thing very confusing. Anyways, the latest episode of 404 Logic Not Found, the standalone show, is coming a week from this coming Wednesday if you're watching this on the Saturday which this episode drops on. Thank you so much for all the support you give me on the channel. And if you do have time to stick around, I will link up that first 
episode of 404 Logic Not Found, the standalone show here on the screen for you to watch if you are interested. And regardless of that, folks, I really appreciate you taking the time to watch the episode. I hope you and your family have a wonderful weekend and week ahead. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.